and welcome to another book on the shelf podcast i'm jet and i'm jen and we are on episode 140 yeah it feels like it should be like a number you know i think it's just because it's like a, a zero number i know <laughs> it just right feels like a, a milestone uh we are i mean get ready for this because i'm obviously just gonna be a blathering mess <laughs> um we are doing a sequel yes. yeah have we ever done like a straight sequel um yes because i think we did um the chloe gong oh that's right yeah right yeah um always me being like how many but it's because there's 139 other ones i get so I know. confused we've talked about so many books we really have so but i think that might be the only like straight up sequel straight up sequel, yeah. yeah uh so if you've <laughs> been listening for a while uh you may or may not know about uh the drinking game <laughs> <laughs> uh it's because no matter what, if I can talk about uh, my favorite book, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. Episode 26. It was our very first Kotos book. It was. First episode with Kotos. We've done many, many an episode with them now. They are a local Toronto publisher whom we love more than anything. Um, and we're going to go there one day and see it's, the actual printing it's press. Because they actually like print in-house on like an old machine and it's yeah, amazing. It's, it's really cool. Uh, but yeah, episode 26 uh, was Paper Houses by Dominique Fortier, uh, translated by Rhonda Mullins. Rhonda always coming in hot. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've done multiple books that have been translated by Rhonda Mullins. We have. And it was this, like, kind of blend of memoir slash historical fiction, Emily Dickinson, like, her mm-hmm. life, but then also, like, the narrator slash maybe Dominique Forte's life. Mm-hmm. Um, I have things to comment on that for the new one, so I'll leave them till then. Um, and yeah, it was just about Emily Dickinson and her life and uh, the narrator slash Dominique Forte's kind mm-hmm. of life and parallels in Massachusetts and stuff. And now there's a sequel. Yes! If you're listening to this, it has come out. Um, and it's called Pale Shadows. Uh, so it's basically Emily Dickinson after her death, and it's about the women who brought her poems out of the shadows. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I loved it. Obviously. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Why don't you give us a little rundown on Dominique Fortier and Rhonda Mullins? Yes. So Dominique Fortier is an editor and translator living in Outremont, Quebec. Uh, her first novel on the proper use of stars was nominated for a Governor General's Award. Nice. So that's pretty cool. And uh, Au Peril de la Mer won the Governor General's Award for French fiction. So look at her go. Yeah. Uh, she's the author of five books, two of which have been translated into English. Yeah, I think this was the, the third Coach House book. I can't remember if okay. uh, the proper use of stars was the first one. Um, I was going to say that sounds like the other one that's been translated into English. Yeah, I just, I know there was, like, they literally just, like, posted about it. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, my God, what's that book? Hmm. Um, oh, The Island of Books. Oh. Was the other one. Okay. Ooh. Maybe I'll have to investigate. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, Amazing. Honestly, we love her. We do. Um, yeah, On the Proper Use of Stars is such a cool title. Um, and then a little bit about Rhonda Mullins, our translator. Uh, she lives in Montreal and has translated many books from French into English, including Jocelyn Saussier's And Miles to Go Before I Sleep, which we talked about uh, in a previous episode. I do not recall which number, but I will let you know in the show notes for <laughs> sure. Um, that was another one of our Coach House ones, right? Yeah. Um, also, Gregoire Courtois' The Laws of the Skies, Dominique Fortier's Paper Houses, of course, and Anne Barbeau Lavalette's Suzanne. She's a seven-time finalist for the Governor General's Literary Award for Translation. Oh, like, she's like a translating beast. Oh, yeah. 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 And I mean, like, truly, because obviously it's hard to assess if you can't read it in its original Mm -hmm. language. Um, But, like, this is gorgeous. I think she, did she do the Imago stage, too? I f- she did, I think. I think she did. I think she did. Which was another episode we did. Yeah. 
Pretty sure. We'll we'll check on that. Yeah. Um. Love it. Yeah. Right. So yes, she's done. Yes. Seven-time finalist for Governor General's Award. Um, she won the award in 2015 for her translation of uh, Jocelyn Saussier's 21 Cardinals, so another one of hers. Um, and novels she has translated were contenders for CBC Canada Reads in 2015 and 2019. She was uh, One of them was a finalist for the 2018 Best Translated Book Award. She is the inaugural... In, in, inaugural? Thank you. Inaugural literary translator. I don't know why I have such a hard time with that word. It's because when you look at it, it's weird. And it, it kind of gets stuck weird. in your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those few words I have trouble saying. Yeah. Um, anyway, a translator in residence at Concordia University in 2018. And she is a mentor to the emerging translators at the Banff International Literary Translation Program, which is really cool. Um, I'm assuming that's the Banff Center yeah, for the is. arts. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize they had a translation program. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's just it. Like I think, as much like, obviously, Fortier is like an amazing author, but it oh yeah, it's not just like this easy thing where I think some people maybe just think you know like you like put it mm-hmm. into Google and translate whatever. Like these both of these books have always they're so beautiful and like yes. there's no way that from like what I, you know, remember about French, like it, you can't just translate word for word. So like no. Mullins is putting in the work. Oh yeah. Like she would, she would have to do such a like careful translation to preserve the style of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. Man. Oh yeah. Man. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but yeah, so when Emily Dickinson died, she left behind hundreds of text scribbled on scraps of paper she also left behind three formidable women, her steadfast sister, Lavinia, her brother's ambitious mistress, Mabel Loomis Todd, and his grief-stricken wife, uh, Susan Gilbert Dickinson. With no clear instructions from Emily, these three women would, through mourning and strife, make from those scraps of paper a book that would change American literature. Uh, so yeah, so from the author of Paper Houses, this is the improbable, almost miraculous story of a birth of a book Years after the death of its author, in these sensitive and luminous pages, Dominique Fortier explores through through Dickinson's poetry the mysterious power that books have over our lives and the fragile, necessary character of literature. Yeah. It was great. And, like, much like the first book, so obviously, like, Mm -hmm. Emily Dickinson is real, uh, the poems are real, like, Amherst, uh, Homestead, Evergreens, like their houses and stuff. That's all real. Mm-hmm. But like, we don't actually know if any of the like stuff happened because it's very like Emily in that day writing and seeing birds. So yeah. This one's, it's the same thing where all of the people are real. And like, mm-hmm. I had read a little bit before I read this just to kind of like see what was what. And like, that's what it is. Like, you'll see the different any books that you have that are Emily Dickinson, like all of this is actually totally what happened. So cool. Which is like wild. Right? Also just when you like think about it, that like, number one, it absolutely could have never happened. Oh yeah. Cause that was like the one thing that Emily had told her sister Lavinia was that her correspondence. So she had like letters that she had, mm-hmm. I guess like received from people. She wanted that burned. So she, that was burned. Yeah. But then, like, all of this stuff, she didn't say anything about it. Yeah. So, like, that was one way it could have been lost. But then at the same time, Mabel and, like, Susan, the different people and stuff, they, speaking of translation, like, they kind of oh yeah translated it because it was literally just scraps of paper. And I love in the book how there's, like, parts where they're, like, fighting over, like, the dashes because she yeah. uses lots of dashes or, like, certain words that are capitalized. And, yeah. you know, or Higginson like, is, like, she had, too many capitalized. <laughs> like a word crossed out and then a bunch of sort of quasi synonymous words written kind of in the margins and yeah. they had to decide like which word they were going to put in yeah. to the final piece. Yeah. Yeah. And then even too, like with her, her, herbarium, herbarium, yeah. um, all of her like pressed flowers and leaves and nature things like, which is now like 
one of the most like prized possessions at Harvard. Mm-hmm. You can't even see it. Like there, it, it's all been digitally scanned, so you can like mm-hmm. look at it that way. Um, but it's not something that like anyone you can't just like go into like Harvard and be like, "Can I look at this?" <laughs> That's fair because it's so like special and fragile. But it's same thing, right? Because like I don't know how accurate. Because I mean, at this point, it was so long ago. Because in this book, just in regards to that, like, Susan is like, this is just as much her poetry. Like, mm-hmm. this should be something. Yeah. And, like, that's how that kind of got turned into a book and preserved and saved. But, like, that could have just been, like, gone. Yeah. And, like, I know. The, the covers of the book are actual scans of. Oh, Earth that's of, cool. Yeah. Love the. I love that. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and let you lead, <laughs> well, just to, I mean, like, for, like, the, the even, story. Where to even begin? Like, so it's, like, shortly after Emily dies. Yes. Um, because it starts with Lavinia kind of going through her things. Yeah. Right? Like, I love, um, when she's, she's thinking of, like, what to do with Emily's clothes, and it's like, oh, maybe I'll make a quilt out mm-hmm. of it but then she pulls out all of her clothes and she's like all she wore was white like I can't yeah. do anything like I can't turn this <laughs> into a quilt it would just be like <laughs> white <laughs> um, yeah and that's when she like burns all of the correspondence yeah. um, and finds the poems like yeah like a trunk suitcase full or something of like scraps like yeah. truly I mean like what a what a <laughs> testament to writers in general jotting things down on tiny pieces of paper well and so because this is a sequel i did quickly reread paper houses nice um this weekend partially like i'd wanted to reread it anyway because Mm -hmm. part of like something that i'm working on i wanted to like do it for that but then also because of this i was just like this is my chance um and thankfully it held up to my expectations amazing of course (laughs) Um, but yeah, so like in Paper Houses, it talks a lot more to how it's like literally, you know, like she would pull off a piece of the, like the bag of flour, mm-hmm. the paper, or so like a lot of the different poems would like smell like cinnamon or chocolate or different stuff. Oh, like that. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all know about receipt paper. <laughs> That's right? the, the 21st century version. <laughs> yeah. And then this, like, wild sort of triangle affair situation. Oh, right? People, everyone, oh, my God. Even that was just, like, so interesting. Yeah, so, like, the sort of relationship that begins between Mabel and Austin. And Mabel's married and has a daughter, um, Millicent, who also gets her own perspective in a few sections. Yeah. Um, I loved her. I thought she was adorable. Yes. Uh, I, I believe there's also, um, she did some, I don't, I don't know if like translation is the right word. Oh, okay. Um, editing. I believe there might be some collections that are credited to her. I oh, think. cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, cause she was great too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, and Susan, Susan is just like, oof depressed well because like to the max right because so like emily was her sister-in-law but also like had been her best friend before she met austin yes and then and there's always been some speculation about the nature of emily and susan's relationship yeah um which then again like in this book kind of makes sense just because like Mm -hmm. they keep talking about how you know like one of her children passed away yeah um i mean at this point like years prior but how she's still like so broken up over it but then also Mm -hmm. like with emily and then yeah austin is blatantly oh yeah having an affair yeah with someone i can't remember where it said it but it was literally mabel was born the year that susan and austin got married got married yeah and then he like because her husband david is an astronomer who comes to amherst college where Austin works. So he, like, helped them build a house on basically his property. Mm -hmm. So they're just, like, heading out back. 
Oh, yeah. Ugh. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, and then, so so what happens with, like, Lavinia decides she wants to get these poems published because there's, as we've already said, no explicit instructions from Emily about what she wants done with them. And so, you know, there was her, Emily's friend, her literary that she had literary correspondence with that always wanted her to publish the poems. And so she approaches him and he's like, okay, but I don't have the time to like, yeah, properly put this together. We need an editor for it. Yeah. Higginson. Yeah. Higginson. That's him. Um, Susan is too bereft to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Lavinia is like, okay, well let's talk to my brother Austin and see what he has to say about all of this. And that's how it ends up in Mabel's hands. Oh, well, because, like, it's so funny because it's this weird, like, drama that, like, obviously is fictional, but kind yeah. of feels pretty real. And it's... Yeah. Because, like, for, uh, you know, the first half of the book, Mabel kind of, you know, you're just like, oh, like, you're the mistress. Like, you're kind of... Right. You're the much younger mistress than, like... Yes. Causing trouble and, like, inserting yourself into everything and... Yeah. But then, like, as it went on, you... Like, I didn't feel yeah, as mad about her. Yeah, I agree. And because, like, she also, too, was just trying to, like, find her life and, like, wanted yeah. to, like, do something, like, accomplish something, be something, do something, you know? hmm Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And just to see, like, how she really, like, poured herself into it. Like, it wasn't, oh, yeah. she wasn't just, like, copy-pasting whatever, making this, so it was publishing. Like, she was, like, tormenting herself, like, spending... You know, they cleared out the attic so that she could have all the floor space mm-hmm. to, like, work on this and, like, wasn't sleeping and, like, really actually cared about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and, like, I thought there was that really interesting tension, too, between Higginson being like, okay, we have to get rid of all of these dashes. We have to get rid of these capitalized letters. You know, we have to make it more legible. Like, pick the word that makes it the most clear. Yeah. And both Lavinia and Mabel are like, well that doesn't seem to be preserving the spirit of what Emily is doing here with these poems. Yeah. So like you have Mabel at first sort of capitulating to what Higginson is saying Mm -hmm. and then eventually like offering a little bit more pushback on like preserving some of it. Yeah. And even kind of saying like, Oh, I should have. Yeah. Outright like agreed with Lavinia and stuff. Yeah. 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 It really was. And it was just such an interesting, like, you know, then Mabel has to sort of decide. That's another thing. Higginson's like, okay, organize it based on, like, theme. And she's like, okay, but every single theme I can come up with is overlapping in every single poem. Like, so then she has to come up with another way to organize it that sort of, like, allows, I guess, the poems to flow in a way. But, yeah, it was just... It's so interesting. And I still haven't read a lot of Emily Dickinson's poems, but, like, I really feel like I need to get on that. <laughs> yeah, like, I haven't, like, ever, like, had a collection or anything mm-hmm. like that. And I'm kind of glad now that I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually a couple new ones being published okay. this spring that I already have on my wish list. Nice. Um, and then there was a few other ones and, like, uh, some other collections of like of some correspondence that I, i'm guessing were the like oh, stuff yeah. that she sent to other people yeah um and even just yeah to see the different like i think i'm gonna get so much more out of it now yes because i have even for like as much as of these two stories the part that sucks me in is technically fiction right but like i don't care it just makes me want to read those poems so like that's the point right right um and then, yeah, to, like, see maybe some of the different versions, because, like, mm-hmm. I want to, like, purposely look for the collection that is, like, Higginson and Mabel's. And then, I think it was in the 30s that Millicent, she had one, like, she did her collection. Okay. Um, the, like, remaining bits that, like, didn't go in mm-hmm. the first one or whatever. Um, and I, th- I think it actually ended up being, well, and, like, that was one, such a great thing, too, that, like, Millicent... You know, she never knew Emily, but, like, even as, like, a little girl, like, that's who she, like, wrote in her journals. Yeah. Like, Emily's my best friend and, like, always wanted to, like, get to know her. And that's why she ended up, like, helping with some of the poems. And mm-hmm. because she, like, kind of 
understood Emily. Um, yeah, I love I love the bits with Millicent so much because like yeah. you have her like, um, because obviously her mother is working on trying to like, yeah, translate all these scraps of paper that Emily's left and like of her like sort of stealing some of them to read, <laughs> just like squirreling them away, um, and then. Uh, and then when she ends up um, seeing Susan when she's playing in the forest yes. and then like they end up forming a friendship. So then she yes. ends up adding Susan's name to her list of friends. Yes. Ugh. Which was just, ugh. yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of the books that are sort of like about Emily, like about Emily Dickinson's life are actually written by Millicent as well. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes, I think it's this like whole family slash step family thing. Oh, very interesting. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was just so good. Yeah. Well, and I love seeing, like, because obviously at this point, like, Lavinia, well, I mean, I guess, like, Austin's still there, but, like, Lavinia's left in Homestead, their house, like, yes. by herself. So it's that kind of, like, she, I could just kind of like the, the simplicity of it, like, and, like, mundane sounds, so, like, ugh, whatever. But, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, she still went about her day and, like, she made the pies, even though she doesn't like pie or, like, just oh, doing yeah. all those little things and, like, um, and then when she hires Holden to, like, do some, like, mm -hmm. stuff around there and then they, they get a little thing going on. Yep. Yep, they do. Um, which, like, I was just so excited about because I was like, Same. yeah, Lavinia, get yeah. it. Right? But then, like, they kind of, like, break up, he leaves, but then, like. Well, it's not even that they, like, that time they break up, they had just kind of been having fun in the barn. Mm -hmm. But then they actually, like, start to date, and you're just like, yeah, yay. Just happy yeah. for living here. Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so much was just so good. Yeah. Um, and there was, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, there's, um, just like with Paper Houses, you have bits of the narrator mm -hmm. slash Dominique Fortier. Well, okay, okay, so like when we were doing Paper Houses, I yes. haven't actually re-listened to that episode because um, I'm too busy reading books. Uh, like it, in my head, like I read it as if it was her. Right. But I don't think it was like explicitly ever said either way. Agreed. But then in this one, mm -hmm. it felt much more like it, is her and her oh, yeah. stories and her stuff. And she even references writing Paper Houses. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that could be part of, like in the last book that we, <laughs> in the last episode where the author was the main character and his real family was also characters. Um, but I also kind of like that it's that in-between of like not necessarily mm -hmm. knowing. Same. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, it, it's the same... It, it kind of is keep in keeping with the spirit of like what she's doing here with this story of Emily Dickinson and her and these women after her death. Right. Which is mm -hmm. like giving you the essential events of what happened. Yeah. But also reimagining like how it could have gone. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I just, I just love it. I just, and it's so like, truly it's so gorgeous. Like, I and that's the only way pages. to describe it. Like I don't obviously never mind the podcast, but just in general, between the mm -hmm. two of us, we have read many a book. Oh yeah. And many a book that I love that are my favorite books that are mm -hmm. so good that I, we tell people to read all of those things, but there's something about these that, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. Like, I don't yeah. know how else to describe it other than being beautiful, just like you would see a pretty flower or a beautiful painting or something like that. Like, it's mm -hmm. just, I don't know, it's just different somehow. And I don't understand how or how she does it. But like, I think it's like, it's just so she's very, Like, you can, you can see everything. Like, it's yeah. very evocative, but also in, like, a really gorgeous... Like, the prose is yeah. just very... Ugh. 
I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> well, because like, like I could say lyrical, but that sounds so kind of like I don't know, like how people describe things, and it's well, it's like it, one of the it's... five ways people describe prose. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes it sound too more like like a song, like it could right. rhyme or have verses or like something, but it's not. Yeah. It's just so descriptive. Yeah. But in a way that just brings stuff to life in such a different way than anyone else that I've read. Because mm-hmm. in yeah, so like like that passage with um, when she when Lavinia finds the scraps of paper. Yeah. Um, because I bookmarked this because it says like, then Lavinia opens the last drawer. This triggers an avalanche of scraps of paper blown by an invisible storm. Pieces of torn envelopes, corners of flower bags scraps of sugar packaging paper remnants in which spices are wrapped bits of lists fragments of music scores all take flight like a swarm of seagulls they spread the fragrance of cinnamon chocolate soap and black pepper like excuse me (laughs) (laughs) and obviously this also goes in part to um miranda mullen's translation Mm -hmm. because she's gonna have to take how this sounds in french and give it that same quality in english yeah yeah i would be i wish i could read french well enough to read it in french yeah like i would be able to understand it all yeah like if i just like you know like read like a french newspaper i could tell you like what the story was mm-hmm. but not any of those little tiny right things. like i can get the gist of something in french yeah but not the no not the bits. Well, because so um, there's the part where she's planting stuff and she finds shards of a broken plate. Oh, yes. And so that because so that happens in paper houses. Um, The girls are setting the table for dinner. Their father is already sitting at the table and he gets the chipped plate. Like when Emily goes to set oh, it down. Right. Yeah. And he's like, oh, like I always get the chipped plate. And all she does is she just picks it up and walks outside and throws it against the rocks. <laughs> so it just like shatters and like no one ever does anything. Like she just comes back in and everyone kind of like, I can't remember exactly how it was described, but everyone just like was like, yep, cool. Like nobody says anything. They're just like, okay, that's what's that's happening. That. And so this is like 30, 40 years later, 30 for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like she's going to dig and she like finds those, the scraps of the broken plate and like brings it in and her and Susan are trying to like clean it up and like put the puzzle back together. And of course, Susan's like, Oh, like we can't find all the pieces. Like there's no point. Yeah. And Lavinia in what seems like such a kind of like Emily way grabs her like mortar and pestle and like a piece of it and just like destroys one of the shards and comes out with like a little tiny piece. And of course, Susan's like, what the heck? But she puts it in a locket mm-hmm. and she says, sometimes we try to repair things when we really need to find a way to break them better. Yeah. I had I had that marked too because I was like, "What?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from just like the scene being such like a good throwback and mm-hmm. then you could feel cuz like at that point like Susan was still sort of trying to come around to like yeah. be part of things again and like she was trying to help and then just that moment of like i just like oh man yeah it's just too good (laughs) right right i know like i'm just i'm looking at one of my other things that are marked and it's like our poems not simply letters to an unknown recipient oh my god (laughs) there's just like so many honestly i could have just i need i'm gonna need the um yeah the the hard copy of this well I was laughing because, hard. So yeah, as we mentioned, like Coach House, they have like a specific. Wait, I think it always says in the back here, uh, printed at Coach House um, on BP Nickel Lane in Toronto on a Zephyr antique laid paper, which was manufactured acid-free in Saint Jerome, Quebec, Second Growth Forests, uh, Vegetable Ink on a 1973 Heidelberg cord offset litho press. The pages were folded on a bomb folder gathered by hand. And bound on a Selby auto mina binda and trimmed with a polo, whatever. Like they go into like all the stuff because it's like such a thing. But the, so I have the like the arc version. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Like the physical arc version, but it's just like regular like printer paper. 
And that was the first thing because right. I had just reread the like actual like proper copy of Paper Houses because we have the arc of that as well. And it's that like thicker paper and it kind of you can like feel it. And then so I was like reading this one and I was just like, this isn't the same. It's not I the need, same. I need to have the other one to go with my matching set because right? it just yeah. That's like and one also of my the favorite cover things. of this, it's like the oh. covers are both so gorgeous that yes. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. But yeah, like the the Houghton Library from Harvard like gave them the scans for the covers. Yeah. And I think like that adds so much to it as well. Like it it feels different so like the words read differently which sounds mm-hmm. so like i don't know highfalutin woo woo but like they just i know it just does it just does i don't know <laughs> yeah and it just like makes it all so beautiful <laughs> oh, right and just like the way they talk about emily's poems too about how like you know, they like half expect her, like to be able to like hear her heartbeat in the book itself. Like, yeah. ugh, it's just, man. I know it was really good. Well, and just to like obviously like space nerdy, but so David, who's Mabel's husband. Yeah, I loved uh, him. I know. Uh, is an astronomy professor at Amherst, but like, so obviously like he's always like teaching Mabel about that stuff, and she always wants to like learn about mm-hmm. the stars and like travel to different countries and whatever and he was asking her like that riddle um kind of about like what doesn't have oh yeah what doesn't have a shadow but it was like flame because like he was lighting a candle and you could see the candle but you couldn't see the flame so she had she was trying to guess like if it was lit or not um and that's when she realizes that part in it it's enchanted she stares at this little flame that is light twice over. It glow in the glow that it produces. In the darkness, it does nor. Uh, that evening, as she falls asleep, she finds another answer to her father's questions. Miss Emily's poems do not have a shadow. Her poems are pale shadows. Mm-hmm. Title uh, woven text from the silence between the words. A house made of windows. Right. Well, and there was also the little bits too where it would flip because it was like switching perspective, but it was like where. It was Emily and Sophie, who was her one of her other best friends who passed away yes. when she was a kid, like in paper houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Gilbert, who was Susan and Austin's son mm-hmm. that died when he was little. And like kind of like them as if they were all together doing their thing and stuff. I was just, oh. I know. Just right? all the things. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was just like, ugh. Ugh. <sighs> so good i know and i, I like love it. i love again still like the sort of the structure of it too that these that it's in such short little pieces that yeah. just like keeps you reading yeah and they're like i like how because so it still does that but so income just like with paper houses because mm-hmm. emily is like the main character there and it's her little bits are smaller which I yeah. think to me like ties into her poetry more or so is in this one like it's long like they they felt so much longer but mm-hmm. at the same time like they're not but it's that like you could always kind of tell where like who you were with even yes. just based off of like how big the little like blurbs were mm-hmm. which I really like it's just ugh. yeah same it's just the best it's just the best Oh, I know, right? Oh, so yeah, there's like this other part where with Lavinia and it's like, um, the scene has no smell and that is how Lavinia knows she is dreaming. I was like, oh my God, I'd never, ever no. thought of that. No. <laughs> Absolutely wild. I mean, but Just yeah. like little things like that all throughout this book. And then all while you have these really amazing characters and these women who are like mm-hmm. trying to go on some of them are trying to go on with their life after like a horrible loss others that are trying to kind of start their lives mabel's kind of on the in-between but also still trying to like find herself yeah and you just yeah in the end like i just wanted to as much as 
Paper Houses is about Emily and you want to know about Emily and even this is still about Emily, like, I found myself just as invested in Lavinia, Mabel, Susan, and Millicent, like, yeah, I just wanted, me too. Like, wanted to know their stories too, just like, yeah, like, see their day by days or whatever, or like, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, like, Susan, when she realized who Millie was, it was like, she was so still missing her son that passed away, mm-hmm. even though, like, her other children are still there and relatively grown. But then, like, it's her it's her husband's mistress's daughter. But then, like, they, like, read... Ugh. She was reading The Adventures of yeah. Tom Sawyer, who, like, up until this day, so, like, decades later, was still going to the cemetery and reading to her son's yeah. grave. And then, like, then she read it. And then when... Millicent was like, can I just leave, leave it here and I'll keep coming back and you can read to me? And I was just right. like, oh my god. Like, I just... Right? They were just all the best and I just... Ugh. I agree. <laughs> I know. I loved all of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even like, so like Mabel, like you said, sort of your, you know, you go in and she's the other woman and then yeah. she really just kind of grows on you. Um, but like her, her, her reasoning for wanting to make a book Mm. um which i mean again like could be it's obviously all invented but like i just love i love the way that dominique fortier has given these characters so much yeah depth and made them so unique and like they feel true yeah yeah so yes it's uh, mabel is so attached to the idea of making a book because she still can't settle for just one life she needs to believe that other existences are possible all at once that she is not forced to make a choice and stick to it forever that several chances are given to her again and again every day every hour of her life literature as she sees it is the opposite of this self-denial and i was like yeah girl well because and that's what like i felt like so connected to each of them yeah for certain reasons like Mm -hmm. and that with just with mabel of just that like wanting to do something but also like you can do kind of like multiple things you know like it wasn't Mm -hmm. as much as she wanted to just do like something she wanted to do all the things and i was like oh that's that's all it also like strangely (sighs) explained her affair with austin because you don't get the sense that she dislikes her husband or isn't in love with her husband no she's just also in love with austin yeah yeah and because like there's a point where she she goes to lavinia because lavinia has different like herbs and teas and stuff that she makes from the garden because basically she just wants to ensure that she doesn't get pregnant um from either from from either gentleman to be fair yes um but i just had to laugh so hard because like Lavinia was like, oh, there's a really easy way to do that. Like, don't have relations. Yeah. (laughs) But it's still the thing of, like, you could tell that Mabel, it was more about, like, not that she didn't want to, like, hurt anyone by, like, having a Mm -hmm. child. Like, she just wanted to, like, do her thing. You know, like, everything. Exactly. The system that they had was was good, despite some, like, some people kind of were hurt. But at the same time, like, Yeah. Not that I'm, like, approving anything like that, but it just kind of... Yeah, because, like, I mean, right, because Susan is obviously hurt by it. Yeah. But also because there is that question about her and Emily. Yeah. Well, and, like, you know, like, because it was going on for, like, a long time, obviously, Mm -hmm. but, yeah, like, is it more, like, she was heartbroken over emily's death but like that's the one like tangible physical thing you can focus on right because it's something that's like still right there and like obviously she sees her husband coming home late but then once the house is like in the back of the property she like her and david like see them going to the house and like they purposely like made an entrance at the back of the other house to like it's like now you guys are just like purposely making it easier to have an affair okay yeah um yeah. And I think that's what it was. Like, once I got to the part where she, like, kind of, not gets over, but comes to, like, 
her own terms of like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Lavinia's like, oh, we kind of already are with Mabel, sorry. Oh, but then yeah. when she has like the herbarium and is like, this is Emily's poems too. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm. you two are meant for each other, right? <sighs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It was just all the things. All the I know. Things. I know. Because <laughs> even like Millie has all of her like little lists of things, right? Because she like, oh, like yeah. I can't, I can't be an author, but she has like her list of things, like stuff that's in the sky and stuff that's not in the sky. And she had some sort of comment about how like she wanted to know like where Emily was and her parents were like, oh, like she's in heaven. She was just like, like, do you think she'll like come back as a bird maybe? Or maybe she never left. I was just Right? Yeah. And then, like, she makes, like, a flower book, too. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, and then it, like, got really real when it was, like, switches to, like, sort of the Dominique Forte sections, because I, I did last oh, time, yeah. and they were, like, looking for land, and they bought it in the eastern townships, and I was like, oh, my God, okay, that is super real, Quebec, Montreal style, so maybe this <laughs> is real. Um, but then also there was the part where, because, again, this whole time, like, they're you see Lavinia doing things that are very normal for that time um, in the 1800s. And then it switches to like a 48 chapter. And she's like, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to live in the 1800s. I want to be able to like, you know, bake bread and that kind of stuff. And then it was like March, 2020. Uh, we all got that. We all, you know, got to knit and make bread. And there was like the story about her father dying. And I was just like, Ooh, yeah, this is so real. Yeah. But then same thing, like just beautiful. But I did like that, and I'm guessing this is probably factual. Um, so of course, once Susan comes around, is like, okay, yeah, let's do this, and she's mm-hmm. like, Mabel's name is not going on that book. Like, yes, no, hard pass. Um, but so they did; they printed like ten or twenty copies or something mm-hmm. without it, so that then Lavinia and Susan could have copies that didn't have it, and then everything after that. Yeah the actual like proper like run of the print did have it and I was just like oh yeah right man I wonder if any of those books still exist right there, there must be right like those would probably be in all the with the other stuff at Harvard yeah I would um, think so I just yeah that was cool so many just like little things that were just so good I know I know <laughs> like it's just <sighs> I loved when Lavinia and Holden were like once they were kind of more in the like second time around like the dating mm-hmm. thing but he was he had like stayed over and he was like snoring and he was she was just like oh is this what it's like having a husband like you <laughs> right but then they like go play in the maze at night and then he like has oh, the playing so cards and he kind of like does his tarot because like obviously it's 52 cards and that's what's mm-hmm. all whatever and i'm just like oh just all these like little things and like it's so like everyday life but just yeah it just all seems so beautiful and i just i wanna... know have my honey farm in Massachusetts and live out my Emily Dickinson life. Damn it. (laughs) Truly. Even when like Lavinia is just like deciding to make a pie, even though she doesn't really like pie. I was like, I want to just decide to make pie and like have the time in my day to like make pie on a whim. Well, and it was such a two because it was like the apricots and she knew to like bust open the pit because there's like something else in the, you know, like, yeah. um, And just all those like little things that she does where, you know, she made the chicken, but she like left it out for the, you know, the leftovers kind of for the animals and like mm. she brings jam to Emily's uh, grave and like yeah for the bees and stuff. And you're just like, oh, my God, can someone put jam on my grave for the bees? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <sighs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, and even there was the when it was kind of that like Emily, Gilbert, Sophie, they had Carlo the dog, too. That was Emily. Oh, dog. yeah. There was also something about Lavinia had been in the backyard and there were fireflies mm-hmm. and she like purposely didn't do something because she didn't, oh, she didn't let the cats out because she didn't want them to get scared. But then when she came back, like one had gotten into Emily's room and was like hovering above her pillow. Oh, yes. Like just, it's just like those little things and you're just, mm-hmm. ugh, like, man, that is just too perfectly beautiful of everything. Yeah. 
I know. Yeah, and just, like, even, like, the way of describing Emily's poems, too, with, like, the way she kind of wasn't getting at things super directly, even though that's what the editor was trying to yeah, get to happen. Like, so, like, um, there's this part where Mabel is thinking about trying to decide which of those words to use from the, the margins. Yeah. Um, says, yet in studying the text, Mabel understands that Emily seems to have done exactly the opposite of like clear expression starting from the expected term she crosses it out to gradually move away one word at a time until she picks one that has only a distant relationship of connotation with the first like the echo of an idea she wants to plant not on the page but in the reader's mind if she has to choose between naming a thing and evoking its shadow the shadow will always win and then like it, it still it still goes on that like what Mabel senses and Higginson still refuses to see is that Emily only ever wrote half a poem. The other half belongs to the reader. It is the voice that rises up in each person as a response. And it takes these two voices, the living and the dead, to make the poem whole. Yeah. Ugh! Yes! I know. I just, yeah. Just, yeah. yes. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Yeah. And like, that's why it's just like, I'm so excited to read her poetry now because again, like as much as the women in this series are fictional, Mm -hmm. it is real. And like, they did have, like Mabel did have to care, right? Like she, they were all family somehow, sort of kind of yeah, in their weird way. And yeah, like, it's going to be that thing of, like, how much was Mabel or Higginson or Lavinia or Susan or Millicent, like, just, ugh. Mm-hmm. I just want it all. And I never want it to end. <laughs> oh, right? I'm I'm so interested now to get my hands on various versions of Emily Dickinson's poems. Yes. Well, and that's what I because, like, literally before... Before I, like, really, like, knew what Pale Shadows was about, because obviously mm-hmm. we always know that I go in blind. Um, but because I knew that we were doing this, um, I'd been, like, looking into, like, different books and collections and just kind of, like, putting stuff on the wish list. And that's how I found, like, some of the stuff that was coming out. But, like, and that's what I was always with. I was like, oh, okay, so there's, like, you know, multiple different collections. And it's, like, you know, edited by this person, by this person, by this person. Like, I don't know, like, because, again, I didn't know anything. And she's like, oh, all these different people. Okay, cool. But then now I'm going to be like, whoa, wait. Right? Wait. Wait a second here. Let's. <laughs> I need to, like, who is this one? And which one's that? And, like. Mm-hmm. Right? Ugh. Yeah. I know. It's all very interesting. Because, yeah, like, this one is. I'll see R.W. Franklin. I don't know. That's not even on the list. Mm-hmm. But then this one is the Mabel Loomis Todd. So that's obviously, that one has to go on the cart. What about, who's this one? This one is Thomas H. Johnson. See, I don't know who that is. What about this one? Oh, that one doesn't say. But yeah, like, right, it's just, ugh, ah. So many things. I wonder if Thomas Herbert Johnson is actually Thomas William Higginson. Hmm. See? Now I just have to, like, look up more history. Hmm. More things to find out. More things to find out. Right? Yep. And it's so funny because it's one of those things where, like, obviously, like, everyone always talks about Emily Dickinson. And, like, I've always known that. But then it's just something about, like, now where I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm sold. I know. Same. <laughs> Honestly, same. Okay, fine. I get it. Yeah. Uh, well, even like, because I remember, I haven't watched all of it, mostly because I feel like I'm kind of like trying to save it, but I love the first season of Dickinson. Oh, like, yeah. I HBO still haven't show. watched all of that. Yeah. Like the first season was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. This is the one that's coming out in March. It's The Letters of Emily Dickinson. Oh. So I think she was a letter writer. Da, 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 da. Yeah, so I think this is all stuff that was, like, sent to people. 
Mm-hmm. Almost 300 are previously un- uncollected. Oh, wow. Um, including letters published after. I guess there was a collection in like the 50s that was published. Yeah. Okay. I just need it all. I just need to read all of Emily. Yeah, same. All the time. All the time. Same. I just had to like touch and hold my book for a second. That's fair. <laughs> I know. And like obviously Dominique Fortier has done like an intense amount of research. Yeah. And like that's to write just this. like I, I want to do that. I want to. Because mm-hmm. all the times I've gone to Massachusetts, like I've been to like Concord, we got, you know, the, the transcendentalists, whatever, um, little women, what's her face, uh, you know, gone to Salem, but that's more just for witches, but I've never, uh, gone to Amherst cause it's, it's a bit further. I okay. wonder if there is a train, like, cause like Concord and Salem, you know, it's like a, maybe a half hour train ride. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I wonder if there's like You must like be able to get to Amherst. Right. Because I think it's like a three-hour drive from the city. Okay. But, but yeah, like, is the do the the commuter rails go that way? Because like, I, I want to go to because like, there's a whole museum and all that kind of stuff too, oh, right? Cool. Like, and I I, must, I think like Homestead and Evergreen still exist. Nice. Or like maybe like one of them is the museum. I think. Um. So, I'm gonna have to investigate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Okay. It is so good. We're going to contain the rambles. Yeah. Shout out to Coach's Books. Indeed. For never doing Always. us wrong. Right. But also for introducing this to us. Yes. And changing my life. Um, and just like making me, I mean, number one, desperate, desperately wish that I could write that beautifully, <laughs> but also just. You know, it's kicking off ideas for something I'm working on and all that kind of stuff. So, it's just so good. Thank you, James. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much always for, like, this, like... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Incredible. Uh, We're going to be back in two weeks with Mm -hmm. our yearly James Baldwin read. Yes. Uh, We're going to do Notes of a Native Son, nice little essay collection. Mm Mm-hmm can't wait same again speaking of right amazing authors we're going back to back here i might not make it through february <laughs> i'm gonna start reading books in march and be like oh what is this right we're gonna be like oh let down after all this uh but yeah i'm very excited for that so we will be back in two weeks we'll see you then bye